Section 23 of Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 5. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 5, by Henry Gray. The Liver, Part 1. Hepar. The liver, the largest gland in the body, has both external and internal secretions, which are formed in the hepatic cells. Its external secretion, the bile, is collected after passing through the bile capillaries by the bile ducts, which join like the twigs and branches of a tree to form two large ducts, which unite to form the hepatic duct. The bile is either carried to the gallbladder by the cystic duct, or poured directly into the duodenum by the common bile duct where it aids in digestion. The internal secretions are concerned with the metabolism of both nitrogenous and carbohydrate materials absorbed from the intestine and carried to the liver by the portal vein. The carbohydrates are stored in the hepatic cells in the form of glycogen, which is secreted in the form of sugar directly into the bloodstream. Some of the cells lining the blood capillaries of the liver are concerned in the destruction of red blood corpuscles. It is situated in the upper and right parts of the abdominal cavity, occupying almost the whole of the right hypochondrium, the greater part of the epigastrium, and not uncommonly extending into the left hypochondrium as far as the mammillary line. In the male it weighs from 1.4 to 1.6 kilograms, in the female from 1.2 to 1.4 kilograms. It is relatively much larger in the fetus than in the adult, constituting in the former about 1 18th and in the latter about 1 36th of the entire body weight. Its greatest transverse measurement is from 20 to 22.5 centimeters. Vertically, near its lateral or right surface, it measures about 15 to 17.5 centimeters, while its greatest anteroposterior diameter is on a level with the upper end of the right kidney and is from 10 to 12.5 centimeters. Opposite the vertebral column, its measurement from before backward is reduced to about 7.5 centimeters. Its consistence is that of a soft solid. It is friable, easily lacerated, and highly vascular. Its color is a dark reddish brown and its specific gravity is 1.05. To obtain a correct idea of its shape, it must be hardened in situ, and it will then be seen to present the appearance of a wedge, the base of which is directed to the right, and the thin edge toward the left. Symington describes its shape as that of a right-angled triangular prism, with the right angle rounded off. Surfaces. The liver possesses three surfaces, namely superior, inferior, and posterior. A sharp, well-defined margin divides the inferior from the superior in front. The other margins are rounded. The superior surface is attached to the diaphragm and anterior abdominal wall by a triangular falciform fold of peritoneum, the falciform ligament, in the free margin of which is a rounded cord, the ligamentum teres, obliterated umbilical vein. The line of attachment of the falciform ligament divides the liver into two parts, termed the right and left lobes the right being much the larger. The inferior and posterior surfaces are divided into four lobes by five fossae, which are arranged in the form of the letter H. The left limb of the H marks on these surfaces the division of the liver into right and left lobes. It is known as the left sagittal fossa, and consists of two parts, namely, the fossa for the umbilical vein in front and the fossa for the ductus venosus behind. The right limb of the H is formed in front by the fossa for the gallbladder and behind by the fossa for the inferior vena cava. 
these two fossae are separated from one another by a band of liver substance termed the caudate process the bar connecting the two limbs of the h is the porta transverse fissure in front of it is the quadrate lobe behind it the caudate lobe the superior surface facies superior comprises a part of both lobes and as a whole is convex and fits under the vault of the diaphragm which in front separates it on the right from the sixth to the tenth ribs in their cartilages and on the left from the seventh and eighth costal cartilages its middle part lies behind the xiphoid process and in the angle between the diverging rib cartilage of opposite sides is in contact with the abdominal wall behind this the diaphragm separates the liver from the lower part of the lungs and pleurae the heart and pericardium and the right costal arches from the seventh to the eleventh inclusive it is completely covered by peritoneum except along the line of attachment of the falciform ligament the inferior surface facies inferior visceral surface is uneven concave directed downward backward and to the left and is in relation with the stomach and duodenum the right colic flexure and the right kidney and suprarenal gland the surface is almost completely invested by peritoneum the only parts devoid of this covering are where the gallbladder is attached to the liver and at the porta hepatis where the two layers of the lesser omentum are separated from each other by the blood vessels and ducts of the liver the inferior surface of the left lobe presents behind and to the left the gastric impression molded over the antero superior surface of the stomach and to the right of this a rounded eminence the tuber omentale which fits into the concavity of the lesser curvature of the stomach and lies in front of the anterior layer of the lesser omentum the under surface of the right lobe is divided into two unequal portions by the fossa for the gallbladder the portion to the left the smaller of the two is the quadrate lobe and is in relation with the pyloric end of the stomach the superior portion of the duodenum and the transverse colon the portion of the under surface of the right lobe to the right of the fossa for the gallbladder presents two impressions one situated behind the other and separated by a ridge the anterior of these two impressions the colic impression is shallow and is produced by the right colic flexure the posterior the renal impression is deeper and is occupied by the upper part of the right kidney and the lower part of the right suprarenal gland medial to the renal impression is a third and slightly marked impression lying between it and the neck of the gallbladder this is caused by the descending portion of the duodenum and is known as the duodenal impression just in front of the inferior vena cava is a narrow strip of liver tissue the caudate process which connects the right inferior angle of the caudate lobe to the under surface of the right lobe it forms the upper boundary of the epiploic foramen of the peritoneum the posterior surface facies posterior is rounded and broad behind the right lobe but narrow on the left over a large part of its extent it is not covered by peritoneum this uncovered portion is about seven point five centimeters broad at its widest part and is in direct contact with the diaphragm it is marked off from the upper surface by the line of reflection of the upper layer of the coronary ligament and from the under surface by the line of reflection of the lower layer of the coronary ligament the central part of the posterior surface presents a deep concavity which is molded on the vertebral column and crura of the diaphragm to the right of this the inferior vena cava is lodged in its fossa between the uncovered area and the caudate lobe close to the right of this fossa and immediately above the renal impression is a small triangular depressed area 
the suprarenal impression, the greater part of which is devoid of peritoneum. It lodges the right suprarenal gland. To the left of the inferior vena cava is the caudate lobe, which lies between the fossa for the vena cava and the fossa for the ductus venosus. Its lower end projects and forms part of the posterior border of the porta. On the right it is connected with the undersurface of the right lobe of the liver by the caudate process, and on the left it presents an elevation, the papillary process. Its posterior surface rests upon the diaphragm, being separated from it merely by the upper part of the omental bursa. To the left of the fossa for the ductus venosus is a groove in which lies the antrum cardiacum of the esophagus. The anterior border, margo anterior, is thin and sharp, and marked opposite the attachment of the falciform ligament by a deep notch, the umbilical notch, and opposite the cartilage of the ninth rib by a second notch for the fundus of the gallbladder. In adult males, this border generally corresponds with the lower margin of the thorax in the right mammillary line, but in women and children it usually projects below the ribs. The left extremity of the liver is thin and flattened from above downward. Fossae. The left sagittal fossa, fossa sagittalis sinistra, longitudinal fissure, is a deep groove which extends from the notch on the anterior margin of the liver to the upper border of the posterior surface of the organ. It separates the right and left lobes. The porta joins it at right angles and divides it into two parts. The anterior part, or fossa for the umbilical vein, lodges the umbilical vein in the fetus, and its remains, the ligamentum teres, in the adult. It lies between the quadrate lobe and the left lobe of the liver, and is partially bridged over by a prolongation of the hepatic substance, the pons hepatis. The posterior part, or fossa for the ductus venosus, lies between the left lobe and the caudate lobe. It lodges in the fetus, the ductus venosus, and in the adult a slender fibrous cord, the ligamentum venosum, the obliterated remains of that vessel. The porta, or transverse fissure, porta hepatis, is a short but deep fissure about five centimeters long, extending transversely across the undersurface of the left portion of the right lobe, nearer its posterior surface than its anterior border. It joins nearly at right angles with the left sagittal fossa and separates the quadrate lobe in front from the caudate lobe in process behind. It transmits the portal vein, the hepatic artery and nerves, and the hepatic duct and lymphatics. The hepatic duct lies in front and to the right, the hepatic artery to the left, and the portal vein behind and between the duct and artery. The fossa for the gallbladder, fossa vesici felii, is a shallow oblong fossa placed on the undersurface of the right lobe, parallel with the left sagittal fossa. It extends from the anterior free margin of the liver, which is notched by it, to the right extremity of the porta. The fossa for the inferior vena cava, fossa veni cavi, is a short, deep depression, occasionally a complete canal in consequence of the substance of the liver surrounding the vena cava. It extends obliquely upward on the posterior surface between the caudate lobe and the bare area of the liver, and is separated from the porta by the caudate process. On slitting open the inferior vena cava, the orifices of the hepatic veins will be seen opening into this vessel at its upper part, after perforating the floor of this fossa. Lobes. The right lobe, lobus hepatis dexter, is much larger than the left, the proportion between them being as six to one. 
It occupies the right hypochondrium and is separated from the left lobe on its upper surface by the falciform ligament, on its under and posterior surfaces by the left sagittal fossa, and in front by the umbilical notch. It is of a somewhat quadrilateral form, its under and posterior surfaces being marked by three fossae, the porta and the fossae for the gallbladder and inferior vena cava, which separate its left part into two smaller lobes, the quadrate and caudate lobes. The impressions on the right lobe have already been described. The quadrate lobe, lobus quadratus, is situated on the undersurface of the right lobe, bounded in front by the anterior margin of the liver, behind by the porta, on the right by the fossa for the gallbladder, and on the left by the fossa for the umbilical vein. It is oblong in shape, its anterior-posterior diameter being greater than its transverse. The caudate lobe, lobus caudatus, spigillian lobe, is situated upon the posterior surface of the right lobe of the liver, opposite the tenth and eleventh thoracic vertebrae. It is bounded below by the porta, on the right by the fossa for the inferior vena cava, and on the left by the fossa for the ductus venosus. It looks backward, being nearly vertical in position. It is longer from above downward than from side to side, and is somewhat concave in the transverse direction. The caudate process is a small elevation of the hepatic substance, extending obliquely lateralward from the lower extremity of the caudate lobe to the undersurface of the right lobe. It is situated behind the porta, and separates the fossa for the gallbladder from the commencement of the fossa for the inferior vena cava. The left lobe, lobus hepatis sinister, is smaller and more flattened than the right. It is situated in the epigastric and left hypochondriac regions. Its upper surface is slightly convex and is molded onto the diaphragm. Its undersurface presents the gastric impression and omental tuberosity already referred to. Ligaments. The liver is connected to the undersurface of the diaphragm and to the anterior wall of the abdomen by five ligaments. Four of these, the falciform, the coronary, and the two lateral, are peritoneal folds. The fifth, the round ligament, is a fibrous cord, the obliterated umbilical vein. The liver is also attached to the lesser curvature of the stomach by the hepatogastric and to the duodenum by the hepatoduodenal ligament. The falciform ligament, ligamentum falciformi hepatis, is a broad and thin anteroposterior peritoneal fold, falciform in shape, its base being directed downward and backward, its apex upward and backward. It is situated in an anteroposterior plane, but lies obliquely so that one surface faces forward and is in contact with the peritoneum behind the right rectus and the diaphragm, while the other is directed backward and is in contact with the left lobe of the liver. It is attached by its left margin to the undersurface of the diaphragm and the posterior surface of the sheath of the right rectus, as low down as the umbilicus. By its right margin it extends from the notch on the anterior margin of the liver, as far back as the posterior surface. It is composed of two layers of peritoneum, closely united together. Its base or free edge contains between its layers the round ligament and the par umbilical veins. The coronary ligament ligamentum coronarium hepatis, consists of an upper and a lower layer. The upper layer is formed by the reflection of the peritoneum from the upper margin of the bare area of the liver to the undersurface of the diaphragm, and is continuous with the right layer of the falciform ligament. 
the lower layer is reflected from the lower margin of the bare area onto the right kidney and suprarenal gland and is termed the hepatorenal ligament. The triangular ligaments, lateral ligaments, are two in number, right and left. The right triangular ligament, ligamentum triangulari dextrum, is situated at the right extremity of the bare area and is a small fold which passes to the diaphragm, being formed by the apposition of the upper and lower layers of the coronary ligament. The left triangular ligament, ligamentum triangulari sinistrum, is a fold of some considerable size, which connects the posterior part of the upper surface of the left lobe to the diaphragm. Its anterior layer is continuous with the left layer of the falciform ligament. The round ligament, ligamentum teres hepatis, is a fibrous cord resulting from the obliteration of the umbilical vein. It ascends from the umbilicus, in the free margin of the falciform ligament, to the umbilical notch of the liver, from which it may be traced in its proper fossa on the inferior surface of the liver to the porta, where it becomes continuous with the ligamentum venosum. Fixation of the liver. Several factors contribute to maintain the liver in place. The attachments of the liver to the diaphragm by the coronary and triangular ligaments and the intervening connective tissue of the uncovered area, together with the intimate connection of the inferior vena cava by the connective tissue and hepatic veins, would hold up the posterior part of the liver. Some support is derived from the pressure of the abdominal viscera, which completely fill the abdomen, whose muscular walls are always in a state of tonic contraction. The superior surface of the liver is perfectly fitted to the undersurface of the diaphragm, so that atmospheric pressure alone would be enough to hold it against the diaphragm. The latter, in turn, is held up by the negative pressure in the thorax. The lax falciform ligament certainly gives no support, though it probably limits lateral displacement. End of section 23